0: Hi, before we start this week's episode, just wanted to dedicate this to Andrew Appleton and his wife Helen and his two children. Sadly, we lost Andrew at the weekend and personally, he was an absolute gentleman to be around uh, at the photography show and any events that he uh, that we bumped into each other. It uh, really is a bit of a shock uh, to hear the news and um, so just really wanted to say you know thank you to Andrew for being a friend and everything you did for the photography industry and you know I think there's a lot of people out there if they can be well thought of and well remembered as Andrew then they're doing a great job so um yeah this one's for Andrew Welcome to the He Shoots He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your hosts, Lynn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hello, and welcome to another edition of He Shoots He Draws. And this week we've got a lovely, wonderful guest who we've known, Alan and myself, because Alan's helping me again tonight. We met her at Photoshop World. That was our first kind of uh, meeting of her. Um, but I'm going to let her introduce herself. So. Hello, Christy. Who are you?
1: Hello. Hello. Um, My name is Christy Shirk. Uh, People call me Christy. Christina, I answer to pretty much anything. So some people know me, Christina Shirk. Some people know me as Christy Shirk. Um, I'm a professional retoucher based out of uh, Washington, D.C. And my business is called Shark Pixel. Uh, So some people may have seen me running around trade shows with a shark fin headband on my head. And um, yeah, it's just shameless marketing for the, you know, the business. And I do a little bit, I dabble in, um, in corporate headshot photography as well as underwater portraits as well. And that's pretty much it. And, then, more and I teach to you than that. And I teach Photoshop, and I teach Photoshop.
0: <laughs> and you teach Photoshop and Lightroom, and you're very good at it, and you've got products, and there's there's loads more to you. And you're one of the few people, I will say, talk about marketing, Christy's one of the few people that I would ever dress up as a shark <laughs> for and dance in a crowded room oh my gosh. Just, just because somebody asked me to.
1: G- best memory of my life.
0: Yeah. I literally. Best... One of the funniest Photoshop world memories I have of me and Jordan Kelby running into that room, just dancing out. And I don't trust me. I don't dance for anybody. I'm a white British male. I don't, even even drunk. My brain knows not to let me on the dance floor, but put me in a shark outfit. I'm all over it.
1: It was fabulous. It was so great just to have... So because of the business name, Scott got the great idea to divert my attention with his lovely wife and pulled me out of the room and then everybody had this massive prank against me. I was going to do something and I was going to speak and I was going to teach something um, at, what was it, Midnight Madness and then all of a sudden... We had, um, there were, there were tiny little stuffed sharks being pelted at me and somebody else had put a pair of protection goggles on my eyes and there was a piece of plexiglass and there, what, what was the other thing? I can't remember. But then the grand finale was you and Jordan coming in in those shark costumes and just, and... Just tearing the rug up, it was fantastic. Throwing shapes,
0: it was brilliant. One of the one of the very few moments in my life I've enjoyed dancing. We we were both sat in this room for nearly an hour, dressed as sharks, waiting for the call. <laughs>
2: that's that's the part it that amused me the most is watching them wait to go dance. The the anticipation yeah. was just incredible.
0: It was like it was like the MTV awards. It, the the press. The intensity of, of waiting for that moment.
1: And it was, yeah, that's the left shark. That's where right. those costumes came from. It was that's hysterical. Right. And I remember you were like, it's so hot in here, but I'm okay because
0: I'm an English man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it was like so polite about it. And I look at your face and you're drenched.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. So while we're on the subject of Photoshop World, obviously that's where we met and uh and we interviewed rc conception a few episodes ago and he you came up in in conversation and he told us uh, a little story about you so which we didn't know so i'd like you to repeat your kind of memory of of how you went from being because this is what always fascinates me is when you have you have photographers who just photograph they just run a business but then you like you move into teaching and writing and all the extra bits so at the time, you were a photographer. So what was your, what's your little story memory of, of that moment with RC that made you go, OK, I can do this?
1: Yeah, um, I remember it very vividly. Uh, I was a young buck and I didn't know any better than just to walk up to people and talk their ear off because all of a sudden my opinion mattered. <laughs> and it didn't. <laughs> But um, I've since been like, yeah, shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done that. Um, I did that to Adobe as well. But but when I when I was talking to RC, I, I was behind. I realized that I was behind him in a Starbucks line, and I tapped him on the shoulder, and I was like, "You've got to explain smart objects to me. I know as soon as somebody explains it right, it's going to totally click in my brain, and I'll use them, and I'll, the you know the angels from above will start singing, and <clears> it'll <throat> all make sense." Once you explain it, and we had a a a pretty high level conversation about Photoshop and how I was using it, and he said, "Listen, like you um, are doing mostly pixel based retouching with what you're doing with the the macro beauty retouching and portrait retouching and everything like that." And he said, "Smart objects may not be as applicable to you as they might be to other Photoshop users." And I was like, "Oh, okay," but he said it sounds like you already know how to use the hammer. Now go build the house. And so that was him basically saying, you have a lot more knowledge than you think you do. You're learn. You've you're finished learning. Now you need to start creating. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> I d- And then, so after that, I think I just, we kept in contact with one another and he, uh, in the next couple of months after that, he was um, promoted to director of education for Kobe One.
2: That's right. And
1: one of his first moves was to bring me in and do a skin retouching class specific to that, um, to that topic and to this day i think that was six or seven years ago to this day it's still one of my top watched classes um on on kelby one
0: but that's the kind of stuff people people need to see it's because you know retouching is a is a big thing in in that market and heavily used with photoshop the thing i love about rc is he is naturally a teacher he's so nurturing he's just if he if he thinks he can help you he's all over it and and i remember when i went in to do my first ever class at kelby one he came and sat in that room i had the room with the fake stairs behind me yes a little yes. sign that says do not walk on these stairs." and uh, he came in and because it's my first time ever doing any any video recording i'd only done my first ever photoshop world the year before which which was my first ever public speaking gig in my life ever as well but i've i've talked about that on other episodes but yeah that was that was the first time i'd ever spoken spoken in public and teaching and the monitor broke down but that's another i've I've covered covered it before but i handled it all right but um yeah he was so nurturing and and he came and sat in the room with me for the whole first class just to give me the confidence of he was like nodding reassuring you're doing okay and then he'd stop me and say okay, say that this way. I think it will make more sense this way. And he, I was so relaxed that on the second day, I had my second class, he wasn't there. And it it, it was like, I need my half <laughs> but But he's he's so good. And he, you know, he was very influential because he'd been doing the InDesign classes and he brought me in, but it's, it's not about me, it's about you. So... Oh, he's t- such a sweetheart, he though. He is, I mean, he is. Like...
1: Yeah. He, I can't I, was,
0: I can't wait to see him again.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I, we we always get together and have coffee. And um you know, you've always got those people in your life that um that you just for some reason feel like you can just overshare <laughs> with Yeah, yeah. For me, that's like R C and for some reason every time we get together, like one time I got in a, somebody sideswiped me on the way to his house for dinner, and I called him bawling, and I was like, "I'm a block away, but I just got in a wreck." <laughs> and then the other time we were both sick as dogs. We couldn't, even we were both. We had both lost our voices, and we were at WPPI, and we just sat there and talked for coffee. And I just started crying again because I was like, "I'm teaching, and I lost my voice." And I... <laughs> <laughs> but it's only with him. It's the weirdest thing. It's like he's always the the guy that like is like a, the sh- the crying shoulder for me. <laughs>
0: Did you find it surreal? Because I don't know... I mean, I know Alan was teaching... Alan was teaching before I ever taught because we met at our, my first Photoshop World in Vegas in, in 2010. And he was my first famous Photoshop <laughs> World instructor I bumped into. And we instantly became friends in an elevator. Um, but the thing for me that... that I don't know if it was for you. You obviously went to Photoshop World for a reason. Um, it, obviously, it was in Washington, which helped. So that was 2013. But you you like me had gone for a specific or oh, i need to go co- i need to go here and learn some stuff did you find it surreal like going to a photoshop world and then within two years you are now teaching with the very people that you've been learning from for a period of time because i don't know what your like you on what i don't know what your nap kelby one history was prior to going to photoshop world so i'd i'd known about them well since 1999 so it was like 11 years before i got my you know i got to touch it for want of a better word by being there and going <laughs> to vegas but it I love was it. it it what what was nice is you go from learning and they draw you in and they encourage you to teach uh, did you have that kind of experience with them Cause...
1: i think i had a different experience um because i had been like um because I had been on the show floor at so many shows previously, right? Um, the way that I kind of got my foot in the door with the trade show circuit and speaking and everything like that was, was going and working the on one booth, for example, and working yeah. the, um, what was the other booth that I worked at? Uh, but it's such a fabulous way to, um, to meet all these people and to network and everything like that and um so for me when when I was first starting out I was on the trade show floor I was making all my contacts and then I kind of met the people that I needed to to be able to submit class ideas and and go from there
0: um so because that's how rob sylvan
2: started yeah. didn't they he said the same thing but i'm I'm curious to take it a step back for photographers who are like starting out and, and like oh my god i want to be just like you know christy and do all this stuff how did you make those contacts with the people you worked for on the expo floor like how did you make a contact with <sighs> on one how did you know did they see your work and go wow she's Using our products, you know, immensely, and and that's the kind of thing we want to push. Or did you reach?
0: Or you walked up to the owner in a coffee shop line
2: well, and say, "Hey." Well, I, so <laughs> I went to a, I went to a, a Photoshop, not a Photoshop. I went to Photoshop World in San Diego back in, way back when. But I went to another Expo in San Diego, and I was walking around the Expo floor, and I ran into the guys who were running Lexar, and we started talking about a card reader, and they took my name, and I followed up with them a little later, and then. I had a blog and the next thing I know is I was writing a blog for Lexar and that opened a lot of other doors and it kind of, but it it took me going up to someone and going, I really like your product. I use your product and keeping in contact with them. Um, So I'm curious how other people did it because I've always felt like I just kind of shoved myself in their faces and it worked, but it could have gone horribly, horribly wrong.
1: Yeah. Um, You have to be, um, almost you you have to have the mentality of just like, screw it. I'm just going to go up to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't be worried about it. And then if you get to the point where you're jiving with somebody and you're talking and you're having these high level conversations, the people that are working for those companies are going to recognize it. Yes. And they're going to be like, okay, you know what you're talking about? Cause I think with on one, I think I was completely honest with them and I and I was like, listen, you guys, this is where you you all need to improve. And yeah. I also said, listen, this is where Lightroom's dropping the ball. You guys need to pick up pick up the slack or do these things. And that's going to give you a leg up because they were for a while, they were like trying to become a competitor with with Lightroom and that kind of thing. But um but but yeah, so I've worked with a couple of different companies and then also like what ends up happening is you make a contact with with somebody and then they bounce right. from company to company
0: yes yes
1: so the more people that you know doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be pigeonholed into only working with Lexar right, right? because your contact at Lexar is going to move from from Lexar <laughs> to somewhere else and then you're and then you're still going to be working with the Lexar con People that you've worked with, but then you're also going to be working right. with yada
0: yada. Yeah, and you find as well, and because I know when I've spoken to vendors, and they they say like, oh, we can tell the difference between someone who we want to work with versus someone who's after some free stuff, and mm. and they can sniff it a mile off. You know that all they want is a free thing. But also the other thing, we're making connections, which I've made. You know, my, my best ten years of my life at the moment has been in this industry doing what I do and that's been down to a lot of long uh, like p- what I call patient contacts so mm-hmm. i'm i may have met someone in t- 2011 but i didn't do anything with them till 2015 so it was more of a well. And now I've made the contact. I know that person. I keep in touch. I let them see more of me. And if an opportunity comes up, you've done all the groundwork, but you've also got a good relationship in the industry. And I know, you know, with you where you're working, because you've got sharp pixel and you've got your corporate headshots. Is making contacts even even through the job is you're going to be shooting people that are going to be useful for for whatever reason. It doesn't even have to be photography. And I love that whole connection thing where we go to these events and we meet these people and we help each other and it starts to make kind of a bit of a spider's web and then that makes your life easier when you're working because people have got you back as well
1: yeah yeah no i i totally agree and and the long game is so important i mean it took me it really it it took me a very long time to get my first Kelby 1 class and he said I'm working for uh, like I'm working for it I'm working for it he was always in my corner and I had yeah. an, a couple other like big supporters that were always in my corner A couple of them that work for adobe and and stuff and and like and they have always you know like I said they have bounced around from company to company and so like if you've got a supporter you've got a good friend like they need to they it's just it's really good to have those people and i think also if you have the kind of if you have the quality of work that these companies are looking for as well as being kind of good in front of in front of crowds and and that kind of thing um it's it's much easier for them to be like well yeah let's put her on a stage
0: you yeah know? exactly you could be brilliant retoucher but have the personality of a shoe and that's the thing I say is you've got people who are, who are brilliant at what they do, but hate talking in front of people. Yeah. So I think that balance of, like I say, being able to do, being able to teach and being able to write are three different disciplines. Now, Alan's done all three. You've done all three. In fact, there must be. Have you done a book yet?
1: no that is that is the big like you were saying like oh you write all the time and I'm thinking in my head like heck no okay Uh, writing (laughs) it I would rather pull out my fingernails it kills me (laughs) to write rather
0: be (laughs) you'd rather be locked down with two toddlers
2: for eight weeks
1: I would I literally would (laughs) I I'm super dyslexic hence why I chose photographs as a career like okay and Writing and reading are just like I cringe, and so um, I, I was approached by Rocky Nook to do a, to do a book, and I was like, "This is just—it's <laughs> what my <laughs> nightmares are made of. It's really what my nightmares are made of." So I can I can manage like manageable bits. So like a a magazine article where I only have to like write a little bit. That's fine. I'll talk for days, like on a podcast and whatnot. Yeah, but writing is just—it takes so much out of me. Did you
0: find that was a, a subconscious influence in you heading in towards photography because, because you needed to be more visual than literal, or you know, what is your what is your photographic background? Because. You know, you get all the people say, oh, I I first had a camera when I was four and I sat on my granddad's knee and developed my own film by the time I was five. And, you know, these people always roll it back. But you, from what I understand, you did start non-digital first, didn't you?
1: A little bit. Um, I, the first, the first, I didn't really know what I was going to do when I went to college. And um, the first semester I was a pre-med major. And realized how much reading that was going to take, oh. and failed miserably. And I was like, I got to find something with less books. So, <laughs> so I chose photos instead, which require no reading. So that was awesome. Um, and you, so Malcolm Gladwell has a a, a concept on di- um, desirable adversity and why there's a higher. Um, percentage of CEOs that are, that are dyslexic and have learning disabilities. Um, and because their benchmark for working hard is so vastly different than the benchmark of people who learning in the regular capacity was easy for them. Um, it's just, it's a really cool concept that he, that he coined, which I really like. It's called desirable adversity. It's basically Mm -hmm. saying like, sometimes it's good. To have, so that's why I work so hard. I mean, I think it's just my idea of working hard is, like, I would literally sit in school and I would take so much of my brain power to just read through the phonics of the word Mm -hmm. that I would have zero bandwidth left to actually comprehend what I was reading. So I'd read it and I could read it out loud, but then they would be like, well, what did you just read? And I'd be like, I don't know.
0: Yeah, you made noises. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so was, um, so then I switched to photography and um, the photography program was, well, technically I switched to digital art. The photography program at my college was film-based and I was thinking, you know, if I'm going to be a professional and I'm going to try and do this to make money, like, sh- do I learn that or do i learn the digital aspect of it so I, I i joke with people still to this day and say i mistakenly majored in photoshop and then just basically <laughs> photography is is the means to the to the photoshop for me you know
0: yeah yeah the other because yeah we, we so what do you prefer i was just I, no i was just gonna say we spoke about this last <laughs> night <laughs> i can't put that in. I'm going to come back and, and go back into that. Right. Yeah, so obviously a lot of people, they start off with photography and then they discover Photoshop. And it's very rare that someone's already starting in Photoshop and then decides to pick up the camera, which I think is quite a unique thing for a lot of you. Because it is always the photographers have always been photographers, you know. Thick in the blood, that's, that's it, I'm a photographer. And then then you get that whole split of, I love Photoshop. I hate Photoshop. Yeah. And I think for you, you've you've obviously, through your retouching, is you've found, like, the recipes you found, the science, the, the, the why you're doing what you're doing rather than doing it for the sake of doing it. Because I know we, comp, compositing was one of the things that you've dabbled with as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and what's funny is I actually do have a Kelby One class. It's called Top 10 Mistakes Photographers Make. Um, and how to fix them in Photoshop, which I have made all of those mistakes personally. Yeah. So that's why I know how to fix them in Photoshop. Only
2: 10. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I, I think that's where most really good instructors actually come from. Because um, I know when I was teaching, it wasn't like, okay, I know everything about everything. I, I know a lot about this really specific concert photography because I've been doing it for so long and I've screwed it up in so many ways. I have done every mistake you could possibly make from you know not loading the film right back in those days to you know not bringing batteries to you know everything out of focus. So it's really easy for me to, to talk about all those mistakes and how to fix them. <laughs> yeah. And there was no one out there doing that. There's no one out there going, "Oh, here's these mistakes that you're going to make and here's what you can do to to fix them." And um, that's one of the things like Joe McNally is a fantastic instructor. I love listening to Joe talk about, you know, flash photography I don't do it very much but I love hearing him speak about it because it's coming from an honest place like he's made those mistakes he's put his time in he knows what's going on with it and so I'm really I think that helps people um relate to instructors when you can be like I've made these mistakes yeah it makes
0: you it makes you a good instructor because you're not being the hi everyone." I'm Dave and I know everything and I'm going to show you how much I know. I think the best teachers are the ones that you can, you can just sense the way they're teaching is they just want to share. Because we joke on the podcast about the secrets and the levels and, you know, the the next level and the seven secrets. It's, you know, back in the day, no one would share anything. And now we all share more that, yeah, there aren't there aren't secrets. There are just techniques you don't know yet and And that's the beautiful thing is you do keep learning. I'm sure if you went back and looked at your first retouching versus the last image you did you you wouldn't even put your name to the first one uh-uh. and yet and yet you go you know go go another ten years you might do the same. I know when I look at my old work it's like oh, I did that <laughs> but so you're obviously becoming a photographer I mean like what was your first paid job? what was the first time you actually received money for doing for doing this?
1: Uh, it's it's such a funny story. I was in I was in college and I was, you know, like I said, tr- I didn't really know what I was gonna do or anything like that. And um, and I took a lot of dance classes because in high school I was doing musical theater. I was on stage for other reasons, um, and <laughs> uh, doing and so I was taking dance classes in my college. And there was one another girl in my dance class, so I was around a lot of musical theater kids even though I wasn't doing that as a major. And um, that she said to me, you you do photography. Can you do my headshots? And it was like one of those moments when the angels start singing and the, <laughs> the spotlight comes from above. I didn't even have the idea of my own business. It was somebody else who was like, you can do that, right? And I was like, yes, I can. <laughs> like... <laughs> but I had no idea I could, but when I got, so I started my junior and senior year of college, I was doing headshots for all of the theater kids and then, um, using the Photoshop knowledge that, cause I was basically learning Photoshop full time for four years. So that's where mm. I got, that's where I cut my teeth on, on the Photoshop aspect. And then when I got the camera, I was using my, my experience with my photo classes, to basically do headshots. And I look back at those headshots and they are laughable. They are atrocious. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I was doing that um, during college. And then when I came home, I had an entire client base that used to be my whole network of extended family that I had performed with to go straight into doing headshots for all of them. Um, And... And yeah so that's where the headshot business started so that started oh, well, in so... um 2005 I started doing headshots oh my god 15 years
0: yeah 2005 yeah <laughs> you started when you were 15 wow
1: <laughs> yeah yeah totally <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah
0: so that's that's the question I like to ask photographers because it's so frustrating Clean, and I've spoken before about when photographers decide to quit their job and and go full time without knowing any of the business side without knowing any of the marketing or or what's coming you know, all that kind of stuff it's and and then the first thing they're doing is complaining so I think like you you just said your story was more of a necess- business out of necessity rather than I'm going to quit a day job and become a, a turn my hobby into um into my paid job you just naturally fell into it and and already had a business going you have, I mean, and, and pre- it,
1: it's so flexible. Like, the being a photographer is so flexible. You can do night shoots. You can do, like, you can do week, weekend shoots. Unless you are booked back-to-back every single night and every weekend, do not quit your day job. Like, yeah. and, like for, for example, like, the people that think, and we could t- literally talk for an hour on SEO and all that I, if there's one thing that I have... Devoted myself to one of those things that is so super important when it comes to being a professional is SEO. If you, it like it takes six months for your for your website to even get indexed and registered on Google to even start ranking, not at the top of page one. And people, let's be honest, people look at the first four listings and that's it. Yeah. Do you know how long it takes for your website to age and to grow and to mature in order for you to even be noticed on the web?
2: Eh. Like, yeah.
0: I used to build websites. <laughs> the first thing, I need a website. Do you really? Yes, I do. because Because I've got competitors. Okay, what do you want on it? I don't know. You make websites. You tell me. Okay, so once you cross that hurdle is how do I get to number one on Google? (laughs) This is where I leave the conversation, because I say the thing is, SEO is a black art to some people. And when when an SEO person comes to you and says, I can get like, say, go to a cupcake business, I'll get you number one on Google. They're going to go to the cupcake business next door. And tell them they're going to make them number one on Google. They can only be number one on Google. So, like you, said, I, I love. I could talk to you for two hours about this. But yeah, for anyone in in photography or design, it, this is something you still have to understand and know about, and be and be patient. Yeah, and be yeah. patient. You have to do all the work, all the alt tags, all the descriptions, all the headers, everything. I know uh, one of the things uh, Serge Ramilly, I always remember he spoke about was the. Um, uh, all, the naming of all his images and if you do a search on google for paris eiffel tower most of the images are his and he said he spent hours and hours doing all of his seo because in time it pays off but you're not going to get an instant win yeah. in fact while we're, while we're on the subject of seo let's talk about your store because one of the obviously you've got teaching you've got your headshot business uh we'll talk about shark pixel and we're going to talk about your mermaid stuff but the shark pixel website which is obviously you're retouching stuff and your training. You've you've got a web store as well. So how have you found obviously you you adding layers to your business. when did you first start loading that as a as an actual thing with product on? Was that pre Kelby or once you'd started recording the classes, did it become more of a hey, I can do my own stuff and sell this?
1: Yeah, it was uh, I was a few classes in on Kelby and um I think I went Uh, I think I was at a creative live and I spoke to Jared Platt and he was like, you need to be capturing the email addresses of every single person who's sitting in your classes. And the way to do that is to point them to something to download off your site. And so that's what I told my web developer. I was like, I need something that I can put a product up and they're going to be able to download it, but they have to give me their, you know, their name, their, where they live, where they like where their first child went to school i mean everything yeah. you know <laughs> like um it's super important and he said the more information and in, about these people you can that you have the better um and so over i don't know over 10 years i met about 9000 at 9000 people on the list and i hadn't even tapped into it until this whole pandemic thing started and thank goodness I have that list of people that have downloaded something from me because like the, the all of the headshot work has completely just evaporated. So now I'm so thankful that I have that list of people and I can talk to them and I can offer I can give them more free downloads and stuff, but basically if you go to sharkpixel.com/store uh, you'll find a bunch of free downloads of notes of classes that I've taken, or there's a, there's a really good portrait retouching action called Portrait in a Pinch, which I think every portrait photographer needs to have um, in their Photoshop. And it just it delineates out all of the layers that you're going to need for uh, retouching a portrait to keep you on track. Cool. So it basically does all of that work for you. Um, and then what you're responsible for doing is basically just going in and painting on the black masks to reveal um, the effects in the specific areas, like the cheeks or the teeth or the yeah. eyes or the irises or, you know, the eye whites or whatever. But it's all done there for you within. Uh, and I think there's like I think I counted and there's like 250 steps within what, this one action. So people can go and download it um, and have it uh, for free and um yeah you just check out check out on the store
0: and you've got actions and you've got lightroom stuff i think i heard you say on dave cross's uh podcast that if you're doing something more than six times every time you need an action for it you need to start getting your photoshop automated and start getting your workflow set up and some of these things are are really useful and I I know I point photographers all over the place when I see something that's really good that somebody should look it's not cheating it's just saving you time and at the moment because I'm in the software industry one of the biggest things we push is yeah you, you can sit and spend three hours on an image if you want if you've got three hours to spare great but you want to you want to be in and out. Like if you had to if you had to spend all that time on every single headshot, you're know, like you, you're going to get it right in time. camera. You don't want to be photoshopping that. Absolutely. Of, and that's where the like the professional versus hobby. If you can spend the time, great. But for for the likes of you two, especially where you're shooting constantly, is it's there to help. But yeah. it's great to have. And also people those people always ask people as me, well.
1: yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if, if there's something that can make you be more proficient, I want you to have it. It's not, like like you said, it's not cheating. But I get this nice. question a lot. I get the question a lot of like, how long do you spend on an image? And I'm like, well, that's like super relative because like <laughs> if it's for Instagram, like where it's teensy weensy, like spend 15 minutes retouching it, getting rid of the eye, under eye area. It's softening the skin and, and and that's good. But if it's for a billboard... I'm going to spend three hours on it.
2: Right. You know what
1: I mean? Or like a full page spread ad in a magazine and it's like all skin. Like that's going to take me half a day.
0: How do you find the retouching of the underwater stuff that you see? You you were once a mermaid. I was in a previous life. (laughs) How's uh, how's that different to – because it's obviously a passion project of yours. And yes. Alan and I were, were talking about a thing where you have that thing where do you feed your soul or feed your children. And when you've got a passion project that, that can be quite time consuming, uh, where did that start from and how do you, how do you, what do you learn from doing that in, in your, like, your day job?
1: So um, I'm not willing to invest time at this point in my career. I'm not willing to invest time in anything that's not going to be financially lucrative. Uh, it, i have two young kids and everything like that and while while i love the mermaids and the, and that kind of thing like um there was a long game to photographing the mermaids in the bahamas every year it it is it do, totally feeds my soul and i love being in the salt water i love the the concept of thinking that like when you're in the water you're in the exact same body of water that is encompassing the world. That's one piece of ocean. And you're basically in, you're touching all of it. So I I love that. And I love being in the water. I learned to swim before I could walk. And um, so for me, photographing underwater um, is great. Now, where does it come in? Because I can tell you the mermaids do not have disposable income (laughs) even though the tails (laughs) themselves cost like three and a half grand but of course you know photography they don't value that in even underwater photography so so i'm basically opening it up to portraits of um maternity and that kind of thing so that's kind of where i'm bringing in the the way of making money at it and i think that there's a big push now nowadays in general to differentiate yourself from the pack as a photographer Everybody can do the the like the cute portraits or, or whatever, but what's going to make you different? And so, I love the fact that there that there are literally no underwater photographers in Washington D.C. Why would there be? It's totally <laughs> landlocked.
2: You, you, you have um, that ocean but, really close to you there. You know, it's, uh... yeah, yeah. The
1: lovely uh... <laughs> oh god Chesapeake Bay probably couldn't even see any visibility in there. Um, But, uh, yeah, so there's always a a long game, but I would say that it's extremely important for photographers to whatever your passion project is, you need to spend a week, one week a year falling back in love with photography as an art and forgetting that it's paying your bills and going back and actually saying, this is why I love what I do. Because the really lovely thing about photography on a different level is um that you can reinvent yourself within the scope. So Alan, you're if you're doing concerts, you can basically say, I'm gonna stay a photographer, but I'm gonna do pets because that's my new thing. And that's what I want to do. I know you probably would never do that. But <laughs> too, too. but it's possible, you know, you have the skill set and we can we get bored easily. We're artists. That will that's what we do. So like being able to like change that within the same skill set, I think is such a blessing.
2: Yeah, I, I have uh, two dogs who are my photo subjects all the time. I've actually written books on pet photography <laughs> and concert stuff. Um, but I, I like that because I'm a, I'm a diver too. So my wife and I, we dove on our honeymoon. We registered um, scuba, you know, all, all the stuff. And I always found the gear to be just like, I'm not taking a camera into the ocean because I'm too worried about actually staying alive and breathing and all that other, you know, cool super important scuba stuff so i'm always fascinated by the underwater photos that you guys took because i know you're not doing it super deep because of the light and mermaids and the rest so but how did you transition from basically being a mermaid to retouching mermaids to photographing mermaids and the you know was it like someone you got a first underwater housing and decided okay i can do both of these things or how did that kind of evolve
1: oh that's a funny story um uh, if you google Hasselblad mermaid Um, a picture of me will come up. (laughs) Um, so, uh, so I, I had a very close, long working relationship with, um, an underwater photographer based out of Virginia beach. He's phenomenal. His name is Chris Crumley and he was the original mermaid photographer. I mean, this guy has been shooting mermaids for, for probably 20 years, if not longer. And, um, And I met him, um, when I heard him speak at a local APA meeting and then I reached out to him, you know, and, and then at that point I went and did some modeling for him. And it was a really nice, just symbiotic relationship because I would do the makeup. Then we'd jump in the pool and he has this beautiful saltwater pool Totally pH balanced to exactly what saline is, so when you'd open your eyes underwater, it felt awesome, and it was you know 88 degrees. I mean, that's my kind of water. And he's got this super. I mean, he's such a he's such a tech geek. You know, he's got this super filter which makes the water gin clear. I mean, yeah. So he's been doing this a long time, and um, and and Hasselblad reached out to him to shoot the debut of their 60-megapixel back um, camera, uh, medium-format camera that was coming out, uh, digital, in 2011. And I said, Chris, I will be a light stand for you at that shoot. I said, if you need anything whatsoever, you know that I'm just a phone call away. And he said, you know, be careful what you wish for. And that was a couple of weeks before the shoot, and the night before the shoot, he got a call from his model, and his her grandparents had... Something about her grandparent, one of them had gone into the hospital, and her parents were out of the country, so she had to go um, to be with her grandparents in the hospital. And so he was like, how close, how soon can you be here? And I was like, three hours. Uh, I said, one condition, I want to retouch the photos from the shoot. And he was like, deal. So I got Hasselblad as a client. Wow. But then I also got to model in a mermaid Tale, and they're Jimmy rigging this underwater housing for this new camera. Cause obviously there's no housing for this new camera. That's just being released and they're putting it down in the water. And I'm sitting there like, Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Like, I was freaking out cause I knew how expensive the camera was that they were just submerging in this housing. And it was, it was a really fun shoot. But so that's how I got kind of started in the whole photography thing. And, and then I was doing a lot of the retouching of the underwater photos. And so at that point I was like, well, let me see how good I am with a camera. Uh, underwater. And Let's
0: be honest, being underwater, looking at the shots and they're beautiful and the lighting's is great. And there's something about shallow underwater lighting. That's, that's lovely anyway, but you can only be underwater for so long. And you're wearing a, probably quite a heavy mermaid tail as well. There's, to, to to do all that and then still try and look photo worthy underwater to me is just I, I would just be like this going oh, blah, blah. <laughs> so to get that smile eyes open you know you, 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 you you've made up and, and the mermaid just that alone I think is fantastic to keep all that concentration keep everything going for somebody to get that shot because you obviously have to keep coming up and then go back under come back up and go back under and that's the bit people don't see they just see the beautiful shot but yeah I admire you for doing it because I can't even it's not pretty on top of the water
1: I'll tell you it's not pretty you know you're coughing up (laughs) a lung because you've swallowed so much salt water down so you're like hacking up and and blowing your nose (laughs) and there's snot everywhere and it's it's yeah it's you look like a train wreck on top of the water but then you sink down and and then try and make something pretty happen. And um, the people that have the best, fr- now that I'm behind the camera, the people that have the best kind of essence underwater are going to be like dancers and gymnasts who uh, who, are, who can experience like being in a weightless scenario and needing to pose that yeah. way. So I love shooting dancers underwater. Um, but yeah, the mermaid tails are a bit of their own beast. They're about 45 pounds of s- straight silicone. Um, and they do actually work like you can, you you can, uh, strap your heels. They have a functional monofin in the bottom of them. So you strap your heels in and then you can actually propel yourself quite, quite well. There's a lot of, if you go, if you look on YouTube for mermaids and whale sharks, I mean, that stuff is epic. I mean, there's just these tiny little mermaids swimming next to the big whale sharks. It's phenomenal.
2: Oh, that's lovely. So I wanted to just touch on, because you were talking about what it looked like outside of the pool and then the final image inside of the pool. And that's kind of an interesting behind the scenes to the final image to what you've been doing during this quarantine period with some of the uh, images of your daughter that you've recently done. Uh, yeah, your compositing, compositing team project. So, um, I, I saw the last one and I was just like fascinated as you know, how you pulled it off in your house. Cause I don't even have children and I couldn't even start to pull off a photo shoot in my house of this during this time. So can you talk a little bit about how you pre visualized that got it all set up and, and how the final images are coming together, keeping you sane, I'm assuming.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's coming from a place of desperation to be quite honest. I don't know how stay at home moms do it. Like it's, it's just relentless and exhausting having a two and a half year old on quarantine. And you can't even, she can't even play with any friends. We can't even take her to a Mm. playground. You know, it's just, it's, it's, I feel like I'm in a dream that I can't wake up from. But, um, it, I'm trying to think where I originally got the idea for it, but it's been something that's just bounced around in my head for a while. Um, but I, I took a photo, uh, and I basically set up the camera on a tripod and I was triggering the, the camera using my cell phone. So Canon camera connect the app and I'm triggering it behind my leg So you can't actually see my cell phone, but I was just letting my toddler like bounce off the walls like normal, go get into this, go get into that. It's just It feels like when you're stuck inside a house with a -a two-and-a-half-year-old, it just feels like you're dealing with more than one child. You know?
0: (laughs) It feels like you're dealing with multiples. (laughs) You're dealing with the two little girls from the Jack Nicholson film. You're on their little bikes in the hallway just staring at you. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's what it feels like. And I'm like, okay, it's 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Can I drink wine yet? (laughs) This is
0: insane. (laughs) Yes. Um... Yeah, always.
1: Yeah, uh, so so basically, um, I uh, so the camera was on a tripod, and um, I, I was basically just letting her move around me, and and then I stacked all of those frames on top of one another in Photoshop, and because they were all shot from the exact same vantage point of the exact same um, area, and I was staying, I was trying to stay so still. Um, and then she was the one, I was able to multiply her into five different kids. So one's on the stairs, one's playing with the, the glass, uh, candle holder. One's on my knee playing with something. One's playing with my hair. One's like yelling at my face or trying to get my attention. Mom, mom, (laughs) mom, mom, you know? (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so that's where the idea of that one came from. And I got such a, I, I got a really, I was, um, I was like really overwhelmed by how positive the 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 feedback was from that one. So I've done, I think, a couple other composites, one of her sitting on a cloud in a library and one of her holding the moon in the woods. And I'm going to do another one tomorrow, actually. We're going to go to my studio, um, which has been collecting dust for the last two months. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we're going to do a cool new one, which I'm really excited about, too.
0: Yeah. I, and it's, that's the thing, you've got to keep mentally busy you know I've got two daughters that they were 16 months apart when they were born I have so, you no know, yeah. idea
1: we, how you ha- how you are still alive <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah at the time it, it was because I did take. I mean I did take time off work when they were both born because I I became a dad quite late but yeah I remember Andrea being completely frazzled because you've got a 16 month wanting attention and a newborn and they're both in our their- Sleeping in our bedroom, it's crazy, and I and I wish I'd had the creativity back then to do something like that because they they do that now. They they make photographs of each other and they try. I mean, I get my daughter. She she plays soccer, and she came in the other day and she said, "Oh, we're doing this thing where we do like kind of keep you up is, and then we like pretend we kick the ball off to to our left, and then the next person does it." And she said, "I've got these videos. I want to practice. Is is there anything I can do?" And I said. Let me download iMovie on your phone, because we gave her an old iPhone 5, I think it is. That kid, within three hours, nice. had made a movie from various clips. She was doing different camera angles. She'd added music. She'd added special effects. And it was just... It was just she's kids. On, oh, yeah. they're, they're, just, they're just so good. Just, these are good projects for not just... Obviously, your, your little one's two and a half and you've got a newborn, but... You know, especially with children, let make them part of it, and let because they just have a different way of looking at it, and they absorb it so differently that I was just I just hugged her and didn't let go. I was so proud of her that she'd done this project, and I thought actually, yeah, we can work on, we can do this together because I'm the designer, she can do that, we can put something together. But it is it's fun having those personal projects.
1: And their parameters, their idea, and their paradigms are so much larger than our beaten down brains have become over the years of life, you know? <laughs> and, and their ideas are where... I, I, I was not a compositor for the last 15 years. I mm-hmm. didn't know what I was doing when it came to composites. Um, I'm really excited about the fact that I do have kids now because her ideas and her imagination... The pro- mm. the biggest problem that I had was not that I didn't have the skill set for composites, I was petrified of them because I, my brain just didn't go there. It didn't go to those surreal places, and like I was I was like this close to going and doing like psychedelic drugs to like get me some <laughs> ideas so that I can do these portraits. Well, thankfully I didn't do that, but uh, but. Uh, you know i was basically there i was so frustrated i i have the skill set but i don't have the imagination and it was yes. upsetting to me so now that i have this child like i'm going to rely on her imagination and i can make it i can do it in photoshop and make them come true and so yeah
0: you're the superhero to her she's like wow mommy you're so clever and you know you know photography you know Photoshop. I know it's it's not that the girls did it, but I remember when Glynn shot the girls for a photograph, and I don't know if you've ever seen Glynn's one of two little sure. girls at the wardrobe door, and there's light coming through the crack in the door. If you just yeah uh. Google uh, Glenn Dewis wardrobe that's my two girls oh, and because so they were on a book cover and they were in photoshop music magazine every week and they were in all of his books and it it was funny because I said girls girls look here and they just go oh we're in another magazine <laughs> they, they just became so blase and then they had another shot done it was a snowman one but they dad yeah, they, I know they, they, we're
1: famous yeah. we're famous I
0: know exactly yeah and fleurs are designed they love that I love that they've got that creativity and you know you you being what the person you are and what you do i can see your kids loving taking part when they start to understand taking part with you and joining in stuff that'll be so much fun
1: yeah so hopefully tomorrow goes well you'll have to check out the the instagram story because um i'm gonna actually include the baby in this next one so i'm gonna see if i can get him chewing on a star
0: (laughs) All right, well, well, we'll finish off with something we haven't done in quite some time, and I've not given you a heads up on this. Um, we used to do a thing that we called Loves and Loaths, and it was more of a something you really love about your profession and what you do. But the loathe doesn't need to be something you hate, it, it's something you wish would change in the industry for the better of you or everyone. So, what do you, what's your kind of first thing you love about what you do?
1: Um, I love meeting new people every day in different in different um, industries
0: oh this is just making connections yeah
1: yeah just like we you know one day I'm meeting a loan officer and the next I'm meeting an actor and it's just it's so I, it's fascinating to hear about their lives
0: yeah yeah I'd agree with that and what about Sorry, were you can say something, no,
2: just, this. Uh, this lockdown must be really hell on you if, if your favorite thing is meeting other people all the time. Like, my favorite thing is staying home, so I'm good. No, it's... Um...
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am a bit of a. Social uh, what would animal. be the
0: flips? What's what's your flip side? What what do you wish? Uh, take take this current situation away. Let's just say we're back to normality, and this never happened. Um, what? What do you, what would you change or you wish was different? Or is there anything about the industry you don't like that you just wish would go away?
1: Um, A lot of people
0: say social media, which is always an interesting one.
1: Yeah, that sucks. But
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's an evil necessity. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's an evil necessity, and it's becoming more and more important with the SEO um, stuff. But um, my biggest frustration is. Um but as, as I get more and more years of, of experience with um, with shooting headshots and everything like that, like the the constant, oh well, we're gonna go with a cheaper alternative mm. for our headshots. Mm. And then they end up with super crappy photography and everybody hates the way they look. Like I could write it, I feel like well, I wouldn't. <laughs> As yeah, if you could, you our could. Our previous conversation, <laughs> yeah. but I feel like I could write a book on why people should not skimp on on good photographers and should pay them what they're worth. I think that's yeah. the thing. Everybody's becoming a photographer nowadays. So it's extremely hard for the ones that are trying to be professional and who have that experience and who have the years and years of. Dealing with clients and knowing the right way to light a face, if somebody's, if somebody is, you know, say, self conscious about the ten extra pounds that they put on, like knowing mm. how to light them in a flattering way, is something that your 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 friend's cousin who does the sports <laughs> games for the for the top peewee, <laughs> the, the peewee soccer team, is not gonna know how to do. Um, no. It's just. So I think that would be, I don't know exactly how to explain it succinctly. No, That, oh, no.
0: that makes sense. I, get, I totally get that. Is It's the whole thing of, I think, I, I actually think, I don't even blame the photographers in that instance necessarily. It's the lack of understanding from the company hiring that why do they think they can get like the Christy Shirk or the Peter Hurley for the cost of the Allen Hess little Jimmy in his bedroom who, who's just got his first camera like Olympus or whatever cheap a cheap little camera it's just the, the lack of understanding and I've had it with design you know you you give them a price for design they go oh, I right. saw my nephew's got got um paint shop pro yeah
1: exactly but, oh it drives me up the wall it's it's,
2: it's, <laughs> the, it's the industry is undervalued um, and honestly there's a lot of photographers out there who just help that go right along with it like i'll do it for free now and then one day i'll get paid for it and it's we could literally talk about that for hours and hours but it happens in everything i mean i I do a lot of corporate events that never show up on my website or anywhere else because they're not fun and they're not sexy and they're not enticing so i have some big corporate clients that i do stuff for them and i got a call one day from them that one of their subsidiaries wanted some headshots done in San Diego. And the person in the San Diego office went and looked at my website and went, "Uh, you're way too rock and roll for us. I'm like, what did you look at? (laughs) Well, we looked at your work uh, as the concert for talk. I'm like, let me send you the samples that I, you know, of the other stuff. And then we can, you know, and ended up not doing the job at all, but it was like the concept was just so weird. It was like, yeah you're you know you're not you're not the stall for us you haven't seen what i've done but okay sure and you know then they were like and we'd like to pay you know like thirty dollars for the day
0: and then you walk in and everyone
2: looks like billy idol and you're like this is (laughs) just my dream (laughs) but no but it's it's you know it was the idea it's like oh no it's headshots that can't be real money you know you can just come in and just do that in the office don't you know you don't need to bring in gear or backdrops or lighting or spend a day or you know or have and i'm like Okay, fine. No. You're right. I'm not going to do that. And yeah. And the funny thing is me. that
1: yeah, exactly. You don't deserve <laughs> the and like on top of all of that, the importance of a professional headshot is only mm. becoming more and more integral as we move into this digital workplace and we move into this situation where everybody needs LinkedIn. I mean, the the headshots before this whole pandemic thing, they were going gangbusters for my for my studio it was Mm. fabulous um and it's only headshots are a necessity at this point um and and we have the price down to basically as low as it could possibly be and still make a profit but um yeah i but people still want it for cheaper and photographers oh, I, will still do it for cheaper which is so frustrating.
0: That's... I've just before we before we finish I just want to say a really quick story about the last job I was in before I was at astute. They hired a photographer and they pay I think I think he quoted them 100 pounds, like 120 dollars to do a shoot of all the staff. This guy came in, no kidding, I swear he'd ste- he must have stepped out of a DeLorean because he was so <laughs> 1980s. And he asked for us to do the the thing where we all lay on the floor with our heads in our <sighs> hands, all lined up. And I I had, I refused to do it. I said no. This is this is not. This is this is bad. All this is bad. Everything he's asking us to do is bad. Not one of these images. I know photography. Trust me. Yeah, but he's a photographer. No, he's a hundred pound photographer. He's asking us to look like we're going to be in a nineteen eighties. Kids' annual, or, you know, from a TV show, it was just awful. And and but they thought he was the best thing because he knew what he was doing. And it's just I can't be part of this. I ended up having to be in some of the photos. And in the end, my mate Russell said, "Dave, just do it because we can just Photoshop the crap out of this and make make fun of it." Because we were both leaving anyway, and they didn't know. And that was yeah. the funny thing. We did the whole photo shoot, and I deliberately sat in the middle of every shot because I knew I was leaving in two weeks. <laughs> just to say. <laughs> so they couldn't use any that's of the shame anyway but <laughs>
1: oh man that's hysterical yeah okay last thing i'll say it's it, um i had a law firm they called me and said we desperately need new headshots and i was like why and she, she was like well we had one of our lawyers use the professional photography studio that's located in our building downstairs. He was using professional gear, he was using softboxes, and he was using a nice camera and everything like that. And I was like, it was one of your attorneys taking the photos. Of course he doesn't know what he's doing. (laughs) No, but we thought, you know, he was using all the professional gear, and we were it's not about that. And that's what I realized. It's what's in here. It's what's in your head, man. It's not... It's not the gear and that and no. a lot of people will just jump to the next like nice camera or the next night nice flash that comes onto the market cuz they think it's going to make their work better. And I'm kind of like learn the gear that you have, learn the software that you have. That I guess this mm. is the note we can end on. Invest in yourself, invest in the craft that you have and and the opportunities that you have there's so much like you said with joe mcnally there's so much you can do with one little strobe mm.
0: oh, yeah. you know and you've got yeah and zach harris so of i know glenn you say zach harris you say he'd never buy a new camera until he until the camera he had he knew everything about and it couldn't do any more for him what he needed Correct. then he'd upgrade
1: that's brilliant. But yeah,
0: no. We'll finish on that because that is a perfect piece of advice to finish on. It's just that invest in yourself and the time and learn your craft and learn your equipment and don't don't let the gear be the determining factor in what you do. Yeah. It's your skill and your experience and your mistakes and go and watch the 10 mistakes that christy made that she put on kelby one we'll put all the we'll do all the links for you for your store for your I'm website i'm gonna say shake
1: reductions <laughs> <laughs> shake reduction in the sharpen in the sharpen dialogue box. blow your uh, mind
0: well thank you for your time christy i know it's it's busy for you at the moment with the kids at home and uh, i do appreciate you being on we've been after you for a little while and it's always a pleasure to talk to you and next time we're all allowed out i mean we're at an event we'll sit down and have a coffee and just chat about seo for an hour yeah so i would love
1: that. that i would love to geek out about that it's great um oh. yeah thank you guys so much thank you alan and oh thank you uh for for helping us out with this um i was like where's glenn <laughs>
0: yeah well yeah i mean glenn at the moment he's just doing all these um for anyone listening to the show that's wondering hey where's glenn because this is glenn Dewis and dave clayton uh because glenn's project the 3945s, he can't go anywhere near veterans at the moment for obvious reasons because the 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 guy that you know the guys and women that age are in the worst range so he's been doing a personal project with uh, he's been making little planes and recreating compositing with models of some of the stories that the veterans have told him uh, just, for, just for pleasure, just for doing it for himself. And also he's been doing um, webinars for camera clubs around the world, um, ju- just to co- go through techniques and everything. And they've all been logging in through Zoom. And he's been, do- I think he was doing something like 30 in basically one every day wow and so it kind of said to him well look you get on with that because each one makes a donation to his veterans charity right. and and that's obviously been hit at the moment because there's a lot of things he can't do so that's why Glenn's not on the show at the moment and uh, but when when he's kind of come up for air and he can get back into it it will be back on and then hopefully next time we talk to you it'll be both of us and uh and we'll chat some. Well,
1: more. Alan too. I think we're
0: oh. all <laughs> uh, oh, <laughs> Alan. That. Alan's the yeah, other brother. This has been keeping me
2: busy, <laughs> uh, or you know, filling up some time during this uh, stay-at-home period. Um, wait, yeah. waiting for no, he's
0: be, he's been a great yeah, co-host. Waiting for he's Been a very go good co-host. I have to thank him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. Right, I've, well,
1: I've had so much fun. This was a very needed uh, escape from my life. <laughs>
0: Oh, pleasure! Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for being on the show, and we we'll speak to you soon, Chris. Okay, talk to you guys later. Okay, see you. Bye-bye. Bye, bye.
1: Bye.